0: around a meal a feast where everyone was gathered breaking bread talking enjoying each other that's when and where the New Testament church the gospel was introduced and people were into it eventually this little community turned into the masses passionate God lovers who were so interested in this Jesus thing that they began meeting daily with one accord in the temple there we read about believers and doubters side by side, hearing the gospel, some for the very first time, and finding themselves alive, begging for more and more to be preached so their eyes could be open to the goodness that God had for them. That New Testament church, it hasn't gone away. It's here, right here, right where you sit. This is a community, just like the early days, where believers in Jesus and doubters of the faith can come together, talk, enjoy each other, and break spiritual and literal bread together. That church that started with Peter and the disciples in the book of Acts is here today. This is it.
1: Amen. What a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord. I like starting my week off in the house of the Lord because... Great Sundays make better Mondays. And we're going to have a great week. Let me just remind us before I preach that I want us to remain diligent. COVID seems to be, the numbers are coming down, but let's not be careless. Let's respect one another. Those of you that are wearing masks, I can appreciate that. I respect that. We've maintained that once you kind of get in your seat with your family, if you don't want to wear the mask, that's optional, but if you take a step away from your pew or your seat, please put the mask on, and let's maintain social distancing. We have sanitizing stations throughout on the wall and on the table, so I'm just coming back as trying to be a diligent pastor to tell us, don't let our guard down yet. We're not completely through this, although it is better, and I thank God for that, and Thank God that we're not sick, but let's respect one another as we come together. So just a little uh, reminder, and as we exit here after the message and after the service, let's just make sure that we're not hugging and touching and all those things. And that's our nature. That's what apostolics do. I like high-fiving people, patting people on the back, and encouraging people. That's my calling. That's my profession. But I'm having to find temporary new ways to inspire people without touching them. And so if you'll join me in that endeavor, be cautious, be conscious of that. Uh, I I think everybody would appreciate that. Again, I maintain from the beginning, everybody has a different view and comfort level of COVID-19, of where you are in processing that. And I definitely don't want the church to exasperate or bring any concerns to anybody because we are careless. And so if you'll practice good social distancing and respect for one another, would you shout amen? Praise God. Now let's preach. I do want to welcome you to a brand new series. It's been said already. It's been advertised. But today, the whole month of October, we are starting a brand new series, which is called I Love My Church. I love my church. Someone shout, I love my church. Why? Because the church is a family. And I think most of us would say without hesitation, I love my family. Now, sometimes your family may get on your nerves. Sometimes your family may annoy you. In some extreme cases, your family may do something stupid and make a bad decision. But we all conclude, that's my family. So sometimes at church, maybe somebody might annoy you. That's not supposed to be funny. That's a true statement. Somebody may get on your nerves, another human being. But today I wanna talk about my church. Someone shout my church. That we are together, not only through COVID, that's a given, the media has stole the phrase, we'll get through this together. We preached last week, stronger together. But I'm preaching this month and we're talking about I love my church that will last much longer than a pandemic. That a church and a relationship will outlast my lifetime. It's not just a fleeting, passing thing. It's not just a cute, artsy little campaign of, of artist and Photoshop. No, this is something that to make it through this life and to get us through the next life, I need a church. You need a church. We need a church. And together we are family. And together we figure it out. And together we love one another. Hello, somebody. And we don't write people off because they annoy us. How many families among us have one person in their family that just never quite gets it figured out? Eh? Of course, I'm not that one in my family. Who would have thought that? But regardless, everybody has their little idiosyncrasies. What's that big word mean? I don't know. It just sounds good. Little quirks. little like oddities from siblings to parents but it's our family and so I want us to understand in this series that I love this church and when we say I love my church I'm saying I love you you're saying you love me Regardless of our bad decisions, regardless of our actions, at times we all try to do what's right, don't we? Sure, we do. Regardless of some goofy social media post, have you ever been on social media saying, "Why would they post that?" I can, I, can I just die from it? You know what? You know, pet peeve number six hundred eighteen of mine is—I got a lot, but you know what that one is when people. I love my church, but I feel like I want to say it, and then I'm going to preach a really good message, and then, then you'll know. Okay, back to my pet peeve, which has nothing to do with I love my church. Why do people post their food that they're getting ready to eat? God, who? Just eat it. Who? I love my church. Let's get ready. Come on, let's have some church. Amen, somebody. Come on just so I don't get messed up, let me put a scripture up there so I sound spiritual. But you know, we live in a world that's instant gratification. Mindless distractions are always on tap. We've lost the wonder and stopped wondering. Siri, Alexa, Google, answers at our very whim. Knowledge within our grasp for a second of mindless stuff. company in America is called Pew Research Center, and they have said one-third of the millennials are walking away from the church today. And I think the biggest threat to the church here in the Western world is not dystopia, but it's utopia. It's Fortnite, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, television, a quick and easy everywhere and enjoyment on demand. And they give themselves to that, mirages of satisfaction, an absence of authentic connection, fake and cheap substitutes. But that's exactly why I love my church. I think the local church offers an unparalleled resource of real hope and hopelessness of distractions in this modern world. One reason I love the church is because of the people. Let's look at Acts chapter 2 and 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. In the breaking of bread and in prayers. I love my church. And the church for my assignment this morning is you and I. The original church, what we called about the early church you saw in the video in the book of Acts... They learned everything from gathering. They gathered together. And I know we're working through the pandemic, and it's not forever. So gathering is a little bit strained. But in our regular life, the resurrected Jesus had said to many and to hundreds and to eyewitnesses that his disciples, and they encountered him up close, and they walked with him, talking with him, and sharing with him, and conversing with him, and eating meals with him. What were they doing? They were socializing. They were gathering And so what is the church? I think the church in one word is just simply people. My scripture setting was they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. Watch this. And fellowship. One person said, you got to get out of your ship into your fellowship and talk and converse. It was a reversal from the famous Tower of Babel in Genesis. The Tower of Babel, people were scattered because of languages and they were trying to come against God and build this great big old skyscraper and tower into the sky to get into heaven. And God said, no, 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 I'm going to mess you guys up and give you a bunch of languages. And so you can't talk and you can't converse and you can't strategize. But what happened in the early church was a reversal of that famous Tower of Babel from Genesis that, that they came together ethnically and culturally, economically, diverse groups of people, men and women in Jerusalem who had very little in common. But that early church came together. Why? Because Jesus was among them. And after the day of Pentecost, his spirit brought them all together. What the spirit of God does is it brings people together with love and compassion. Regardless of your socioeconomic status, regardless of your education, regardless of your age, regardless of your DNA, regardless of your family tree, the Spirit of God unites people. So if if something is happening in your life or in this world and it's not uniting, that is not the Spirit of God. That's the Spirit of the enemy, somebody. Hello? And so if the Spirit of God unites us and something happens in the church and you feel, I'm going to use ununited, disenfranchised, I'm here to tell you that's not what the Spirit of God is doing. It's trying to unite us. So if you ever get crossways with somebody, that's not God bringing something into your life that's powerful. That's the enemy trying to mess you up, to mess you up in the church relationship. Why? Because we are people. Right. And how many of us work very hard to get along with people in our family, our cousins, our aunts and uncles, our siblings, because we have to make it work? How many of us have done that before? That's not something you discuss. That's the kind of the elephant in the room. But you still make it work because there's a bloodline. There's a DNA. That's my family, and they're part of my family. They were there when we grew up. They're in my family pictures. We don't cut them out. But sometimes if we're not careful, as we get grown and we know everything, sometimes we treat people in the church different than we would our family when we don't even get along with some family members. Hello, somebody. All I'm saying is I love my church because I love the people. And together, as the early church, we're going to come together And regardless of your skill set or your political views or your success in the secular world we are still the church that's the beautiful thing about the family of God and the church of God it's a mixed bag of wonderful people trying to live holy trying to walk after the spirit from all different backgrounds and all different understandings and all different views and opinions but when we come together and we drive on this property and we come in the house of God we are one body we are put together we are forced to be reckoned with and we love everybody because that is the church someone shout amen And so, what bound these people together in the early church? What made them become a people? One word comes to mind is simply Jesus. When Jesus came into their life, he was a unifier. He loved little kids, he loved the down and out, he loved the rejected, he loved everybody. And that spirit of love unified the community that Jesus walked in and lived in. And 2,000 years later after that, the characteristic of this church still remains the same. We all come from a number of backgrounds, personal stories. Every one of us has a backstory, a narrative to what got me here today and some experiences and maybe even some hurts. I understand I validated that last week. Some misunderstandings. And maybe there's somebody here today that we're estranged in a relationship that should and would like to be mended, and we don't know how to mend it. Well, I'm here to tell you that God mends people. He mends the broken heart, and He mends the broken mind. He mends the broken family and the broken dad and mom, and He mends marriages. That's the church I belong to. That's the God I serve. That's the God I'm excited about. That's why I love my church. I just want to tell someone here today that I love you. I need you, I want you, and I want us to get to the point that we could easily, automatically tell people in this church, I love you, I care for you, I pray for you. We came from different states and countries but we're human beings with hearts and souls and we're going to. our soul lives on forever somewhere and the great commission is to seek and to save the lost and the church did an amazing job 2,000 years ago and so if we are a part of the early church and especially if we are a Pentecostal spirit filled church we, we need to mirror what the early church did and that is to have community one with another and make things work and when there's a disagreement as the Pauline epistle said you know what I go to that person and I fix it and I make it right because there can't be nothing against us why? Because this is the church and I love the church which means I love you well come on say that's good preaching and so maybe somewhere in I love my church you say I kind of like my church no 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 we're going to take the whole month of October and help you figure out that you really love your church and for some of you I know it's going to be the last in October before you get the revelation I, I'm I get it man so I don't stress myself out I just know But for some of you, you're going to get it today, and you're going to enjoy the month of October. So we're here today to unite. What binds us together is Jesus, is the early church, the book of Acts. I I think as I think about the world we live in, we live in a me-centric world. What does that mean? That everything evolves around me. It's my solar system. I'm the sun, and everything evolves around me. My wife, she does a good job evolving around me my kids. Not really. But that's the kind of world that we live in. Selfless pursuit of self-expression, people searching for affirmation and love, meaningful community. That's what the church offers, but that's not what the world offers. That's not what outside the church offers. A modern digital world with an ever-changing culture fleeting solutions of just eternal problems problem after problem after problem and that's why i love my church because i can come in here and i can i can lift up holy hands and maybe you've had a rough week and this is a non-judgment zone it's like planet fitness on the wall non-judgment zone and you can just get over there and do your two steps and eat your donut they don't care <laughs> hey don't judge I could have had two donuts. I'm doing better. I only had one. Back off. Mr. Chubby. No judgment here because we're doing our best to live a life pleasing to God. And what church ought to be is a rallying point for your family and your life and a victory march and a pep rally like we used to have in high schools on a Friday to get everybody pumped up for the football game because the visiting team is coming in and there's a rivalry and the band's playing and everything's pumping and we're in the stands. You know what? That's what happens to church as I go into my week this week, not knowing exactly what's going to play out. I got a punch list. We got a to-do list. But Brother Tim, we don't know exactly until we get into that day things happen and things pop up during the week that we didn't plan for but thank God I'm starting it with the church and the people I love and I'm going to do everything right and I'm going to bless the week that's why I love my church because I like coming here and it just makes the week a little better we are far from perfect folks but the church is the people if we were perfect we'd be angelic We would be raptured out. But as you look around here this morning, we're human beings. Different views on subject matter, different opinions, different likes and dislikes, different personalities, different hurts and scars. But I just want to reiterate, I want to drill down this morning. Please understand, we are the church. God has put us together We didn't apply for this. This isn't a job. This isn't a marketing scheme. God's Spirit has brought us together that we could do life together. That's why I love you, and that's why it's easy to love the church, because we are the church. Oh, someone shout amen. So please understand this as life goes on. There's going to be disappointments. There's going to be distractions. There's going to be misunderstandings. But if I am the church and I love the church, that means I love you. And I am forced, according to Scripture, to work out anything in my life when I feel like I don't really love you or maybe kind of like you or I don't even like you. God, help the spirit of God that's inside of me to reconcile that. And if I can't reconcile that, the Pauline Epistles gives us a prescription how to make things right so we can live peacefully together and root for one another and cheer for one another and rejoice with one another. And when someone's in sorrow and someone's sick, that we can come to their aid and bring, hello, somebody. That's the beautiful thing about the church. You don't get that outside the church. There's not a community that will rally with you outside the church like the church and the body of Christ because we are the church and we love each other and we want everybody to succeed and we want everybody to win and every pastor and every person wants to make it to heaven and we're doing everything we can to try to get you to heaven but in the course of getting you there, we're trying to keep you saved and my personal preference is to help you like everybody. Have you ever met any grumpy people that don't like people? are they your best friends? No, they're not. Because they got a sour attitude and they're condescending and they're grumpy and it affects you. So what you do is you put space between them. But if every one of us can agree, we're trying to be more Christ-like. If we are a Christian, which is Christ-like, we're working together. And on my good days, if it's not a good day for you, brother Tim, I got to help you have a good day. I'm going to send you a text. I'm going to say I love you. I'm going to check on you. I'm going to high-five you. I can't touch you because I already said that, but I could high-five. I could figure something out, right? Because it's the church, and I love us, and I love God's people. And the more that you love the church, the more wonderful life it is that you live while you're here on earth. And if there's anything in your spirit or in your heart on the radar screen of who you are that is anything opposite than love, that I'm telling you, my friend, this morning, you need to work on that because God wants to help you, that you could honestly say with a pure, clean, crisp heart, I love my church. Right. And when we love things, we give ourselves to it. And when we love things, we are not selfish. What does Paul write in 1 Corinthians that love doesn't boast. Love isn't selfish. Love isn't stingy. Love isn't hurting. Love isn't condescending. Love isn't critical. Love isn't sarcastic. I've added a few extra words. I helped Paul. He forgot some. <laughs> love isn't mean. Love isn't vindictive. So if I love my church, I can't be none of this. And if I am some of this, dear Lord, I got I to gotta work on this. Again, we're not perfect. Turn your neighbor and tell them you're not perfect. Anthony, say it. Okay. I got eyes. I, I wear glasses. Huh? Now pay attention. Hannah, I'll take a latte coffee after church at your expense, please. So we love people, which means I love the church. Let me give you number two here. You know why I love the church? Because the church is passionate. Certainly, there are other movements that unite around an idea. But what makes us unique in a word is passion. I love my church. The church is passionate. What do I mean by passionate? When I say the church is passionate, I mean that the true compassion for people The desperate, the hurting, the marginalized, raises awareness in us as the church. I'm still impressed with our our prayer team. Set up here in the day laborers across the street trying to find day work. A couple of Fridays ago or Saturdays ago, made them, brought the grills out, and made breakfast burritos. That's true compassion, passionate to to bless somebody. Brother Foster's faith texted me before they were going to do that. Pastor, it's it's okay to use the baptismal tank uh, just in case we need it, right? Brother Foster, absolutely. The baptismal tank, a pool, a swimming pool, a bathtub, a creek. Because we care about people, Pastor. We want to wash their sins away. Brother Foster, do whatever it takes. When the heart is tender, do whatever it takes. And the very first church, we're on the front lines of sacrificial love and generosity. And we understand firsthand about what the first church did. We read in the scripture setting that we, they had all things in common. Acts chapter 2 and 24. Now all who believed were together. They had all things in common and they sold their possessions and goods and divided it among them as anyone had need. What am I saying? I'm simply saying that the church is compassionate and it's passionate. That's why I love my church. How many body of believers, how many groups, how many organizations, how many companies rally around people like the church? There's none. Fortune 500 companies, no, they don't. When you... When you belong to a church and you love your church and the church loves you it's an extended family of help and compassion and love especially if you're in need if you are sick if you're in a bad situation we're connected to almost 5,000 churches in North America and any one of you could be traveling anywhere something happens something breaks down you got a lost family member that doesn't go to church, and you travel back there, and you're in intensive care with him. And probably in all situations, you can call me, and I can identify a pastor that is just like us with a church like that, and they would take you in like they've known you for your whole life. It's true. Hey, i never been to this city. You know what? Hey, let me look. We're the church. There's 5,000 of us in North America. That's the beautiful thing about the church, that we love each other. You see, it's easy to love and it's easy to unite when we're winning. When there's victory in the house and we're on the top of the mountain. But how many team players get frustrated when you're losing? I'm just telling you, if you're on the mountain or in the valley, my friend, the church is still the church. And the church still loves you. And we're passionate about your success and we're passionate about your family. We're passionate. Hello, somebody. Let me help you. Come on, someone shout back, I love my church. God of the universe, love that He gave. It was a true passion. The church in Jerusalem had been moved with this grace towards everybody. And they were instructed to pass on the grace of God, their daily lives. And their question to themselves that maybe they probed what does love require of me? What does grace require of me? And when they figured that out, they got busy and they did whatever it took to show and express the love of God. Let me ask you a question this morning. If we're the church of the living God, if we mirror the book of Acts church, the real church, what have you done lately to show the grace or love of God? Mm. What have I done? I've been talking about I love my church. I've been talking about the people of God. I've been talking about us. But the early church, we got to make sure that we don't get so focused on us that we forget about, forget about people that maybe that don't know us. Hello? Coworkers, neighbors, unsaved family members. People that are less fortunate. People that don't have everything all put together. You see, the church was mobilized. To bring the grace of God and the love of God and say, hey, no no matter where you are, God can still restore you. And no matter what you've done, no matter what you said, no matter how many scars you have, no matter the past that has been jaded, God can hit the reset button. He did it in my life. He did it in over 300 people that I personally know. And you're no different. And I just want to tell you, God loves you. And this church loves you. How can you say that, Pastor? Because we're the church and we love people. And say, well, I don't love people. Well, then, you know, you better figure it out in the Pauline epistles and get it right. Because if you're the church of the true God, you've got to figure out how to love everybody. Hey, and let me just add this on. You've got to figure out how to get along with people. You can't write things off and say, well, that's just who I am. No, 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 no. Say, so, hey, with the help of God, I'm going to get better. With the help of God, I'm going to figure this out. With the help of God, I'm going to get my arms around this. With the help of God, I'm not going to be like this. Because I don't think this is what God sees as church. God, I have some deficiencies. I'm going to be better. I'm going to do better in this area. I need your help. And people are praying for me, and people love me, and people are patient with me. Yes, 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 yes. But the church of the living God is always trying to better themselves as a human. History shows that the radical generosity of the early church didn't stop in the early church. It didn't stop in the book of Acts. Christians seem to be normal. They were people who showed remarkable faithfulness in marriage, honoring parents, love for their neighbors, and extraordinary kindness to strangers. The church showed unbounded love and loyalty. We are the church, my friend. We are the church, and we attend to the needs, and we're doing God's great commission. The great commission is this in chapter Luke, in the the book of Luke. 19 and 10, that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And let me ask you a question here this morning, Kate. If you are already saved, if he found you and your life has changed and you are, I'm going to say, saved, you have to help the church still do the Great Commission, which is seeking and saving other people that don't know this wonderful God that you know. You, we can't hoard this. We can't be stingy with this. God changed my life. God made me a better person. He made me a better dad. He made me a better husband. And it's so great. Everybody deserves this. And that's part of the great commission. When we as a church mobilize our testimonies, what is that pastor? That's just an old word for your story. Hey, I used to be like this, but I'm like this now. I I used to have this temperament, but with the help of God, I'm becoming a better person because that doesn't hurt me anymore. I've stepped away from that. i pushed away from that. Why? Because my church has taught me, and my church has loved, and my church has preached, and it's gave me some understanding on how great God is. And now I am a much better person because of my church. So, yes, I love my church. John 17 Jesus prayed this, that the love with which you love me may be in them. True passion of a community. What's a community? Community is a gathering of people. A connect group coming up is going to be little communities. I love my church because it's a passionate To help us all succeed and our investment in one another, our investment in your children, our investment in your youth, our investment in your young adults in our lives. We are making positive deposits of investments that are from the love of God. Why? Because we are the church and we love you. And part of us loving and learning on how to serve God is to learn how to love other people, watch me now, when it doesn't even benefit me. Mm. Maybe when that situation, Brother Tim, can bring no value to my life, but I still pour into that situation with a pure heart because God honors and sees it. Mm. If you can bring no value to my life, there's the epitome of true love and giving. You know what? That's what the church does. I want to say effortlessly, because we are the church of the living God. And wherever you are in life this morning, let me talk to you. That please know this church will do anything it can to help you succeed. You say, well, you don't even know me. I'm telling you, my friend, that's how the church works. That's how the church performs. That's what the church was made for. And the goal is when you understand the value and the passion of the church, when you feel that you are at a point in your life that you begin to pay that forward, representing the church of the living God, and you're not hoarding that, but you're saying, hey, this is where I was. This is what the church did for me. These are the teachings that blessed me, and I want you to be blessed, my friend, my brother, my neighbor, my coworker. What is that? That is the church mobilizing itself in the 21st century into other people's life, and of all times of going on of living during a pandemic and the chaos and the political climate and what is happening all around our globe and in our state in Southern California. I think this is the time that the church, with a little bit of effort, Brother Gustavo, can begin to shine and show the love of God and the compassion and the passion of God. Why? Because that's what we do. That's what we do. Number three, why I love the church? The church is powerful. I love my church because the church is people. I love my church because the church is passionate. And finally, I love my church because the church is powerful. Acts chapter 2, So they continued daily in one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house. And they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Acts 2, 46 and 47. His promise to the disciples was the power that would come from the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit. But I love my church. And the church was formed. And in a short amount of time, it turned that world upside down. They were excited. They were not scared. They were not timid. But the church was mobilized. You know what made the difference? Is the Spirit of God filled them from the inside out. It wasn't a story. It wasn't a a self-help seminar. It wasn't a lecture. In the Roman Colosseum. No, God said, hey, I'm going to live inside of you. My spirit, my Holy Spirit is going to live inside of you, and I'm going to lead you, and I'm going to guide you, and I want you to share the gospel. I want you to tell everybody about this. I-, I want you to come in contact with people that don't know me, that are maybe godless, that are maybe heathens, that are maybe good people, but just didn't weren't exposed to my spirit, And and, and so the church is powerful, and that power in Acts chapter 1, he said, I'll give you power when the Spirit comes upon you. But the church now is the time that we live in has become dark. Christianity maybe isn't as popular. I'm not very old, but I still remember going back when I was in elementary school. Everybody kind of sort of looked similar and modest. And each generation, each decade gets darker and darker. And the darker the world gets, the more the church stands out. Our morals, our principles, our values, our lifestyle. But roll the clock back far enough, and everything looked exactly the way we live right now. Go watch Lassie, they look like all Christians go watch leave it to beaver Andy Griffith right that that's going back 40 50 years contrasting what is on today what's your point my point is simply the world has swung like this and the church has done this so the further the world swings, the greater the gulf between us and the world, between us and the unchurched, between us and the unholy. But the church has steadied itself, and every pastor over generation over generation has tried to stand a line, say, you know what, this is the church. And if there's a marked difference between us and the world, it's because the world moved to the left, not the church. Say, oh, the church is weird. No, 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 no. There was a day in society that it was almost identical. I would say, no, the world's weird. They moved. They left. They threw out sin. They threw out protocols. They threw out absolutes. Not the church. And so the church is consistent, constant, pointing to Calvary, So you're in a more powerful arena right now, honestly, than anything that the world could put together. We're not the biggest crowd. We're not the biggest event. We're not the most televised streaming, but we are the church. And we are the people of the living God. I just want to validate somebody here this morning. Please listen to me. <laughs> that you are the church and you're a part of my life. And my life is better because of you. And maybe your life is better because of us. The value of the church. That's why brother Rene without reservation, without hesitation, I can simply say easily, I love my church. because I love this place. And I want you to love this place, and I want you to love the church. We were once lost, but he rescued us. We were once alone, but he adopted us into his family. Whether the future of the world is utopia or dystopia, the future of the church is secure. The church always wins. The church always wins. I love my church. I love you guys. I love you. I love my brothers. I love my sisters. And when the church unites, there is no force. There is no element. There is no pandemic. There is no darkness. There is no ungodliness that can conquer the church of the living God. Jesus made a simple promise. I'm going to share with you if you can stand with me this morning. He made this simple promise In the Gospel of Matthew, he records it in chapter 8, 16. And I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it upon this rock I will build my church Jesus speaking and you know what that tells me that the church will never lose the gates of hell the spirits of hell the influences of hell will never conquer the church why because Jesus established it every word is true so my safeguard is Chris that I stay in the church And I'm not leaving the church. And if I get messed up somewhere in the church, I better figure it out because I'm not leaving. If I get misunderstood, I better figure it out because this is my only option to succeed. If the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, there's all kinds of translations of what that means. Simply put, the church is never going down. The church is never losing. The church is never going to hell. The church is going to heaven. Again, we are the church. And so if you're conflicted, if something's not just right, all I'm going to simply say, you better get it right. Because God is coming. And the time is short. And I can't afford to live for God this long and get messed up in the pandemic and think the church has erred from its mission. The church has not erred, my friend. The church has not drifted. The church is not off course. When there's any adjustment, Robin, it's me. When we get at odds, when I get misunderstood, when I get upset with the church, it's me. Because the church doesn't make mistakes. The church doesn't mess up. The church doesn't make bad decisions. Now, somebody in the church could do that, but Paul says, you know what? Figure it out. Go to them. Make it right. And if you can't make it right, take someone with you. And if you two can't make it right, bring it to the leadership. And if they can't make it right, kick them out of church. I think it says that, doesn't it? The point is, it never gets that far if you have a pure heart. Hey, I need the church. Someone shout, "I I love my church. Lift your hands with me. Close your eyes. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we have preached the profound prophetic word to bless somebody today. Let a revelation come forth, God. Let illumination come from the scripture, God. This is an amazing week, and we give the first day to you, God, and you bless the other six days Let the word, God, not come back void, but let there be power, anointing, a sound mind, and let us to walk after the spirit and not after the flesh this week as we give ourselves to you because I love the church, I love the people, I love my church, and I love my people. And we thank you, God, for all things in Jesus' name. Someone shout amen. amen. I want you to lift your hands and your voices as they sing. One more worship set before you leave. Come on, let's just let the Word of God be marinated by worship. Let it get packed down into your spirit. And then I say, have a great day. Have a blessed week. Stay safe out there. He
2: goes before me. He goes before me. Defender behind me. Defender behind me. I won't feel. I'm filled with anointing. I'm filled with anointing. My cups overflow. My cups overflow. No weapon can harm me. No weapon can harm me.